Excellent. Here we go. Welcome to the Desire Line. I'm Jess Finley. And I'm James Riley. Desire Line is a metaphor for the experience of fencing indes and for our intention to let the conversation topic dictate the direction it takes. Here in this show, we're going to be discussing the experience of being human as viewed through the lens of the art of historical fencing. At least that's what we think. <laughs> and how are you, Jess? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, I've had a good week. I, since we last talked, I was able to um, get a whole lot more done on my big sewing project, which is reworking my arming coat so that when I, uh, when I fight in armor coming up soon, I'll, uh, I'll have that ready to go. So how about yeah, you? What you been up to? Well, uh, just, you know, kind of, kind of same, same, you know, uh, I, I'm working down in Chicago right now and um, it's a trip and it's, you know, COVID and all this stuff. It's still kind of going on. Um, trying to make uh, live music performance happen and as much as it's possible. And uh, it's it's been a challenge, but that's kind of been what my week has consisted of. So. Yeah. Dude, I mean, for real. I fantasize about COVID being over soon. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know, something, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, all right, so let's talk about, um, let's talk about historical fencing. Let's talk about how we might begin to think about historical fencing. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so last week we talked about um, story begetting state, right? And, I was really thinking about like one of the most pivotal moments for me um, related to historical fencing where, where this really like just, you know, was thrown in my face. And so it was at, um, it was at one of the surfos. I can't remember what year it was, um, but for whatever reason that year I was working the table and Keith Cotter Riley was running the ring and there were two people fencing. I don't even remember who was fencing. Um, and so this exchange happens between the fencers, like bop, 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 bop. Somebody gets hit, maybe they both get hit. I, I don't really remember the specifics of the exchange, but what I remember is me sitting at the table, I have like basically the best view of the action, right? And I see what happens. And I take my pencil and glance down to prepare to mark who I saw win that exchange. And Keith calls the point for the other person and then proceeds to explain the fencing exchange he saw, right? Like he outlines, this is what happened. This person tried this, it went this way, that happened, this happened, this person got hit, point them, right? And I was like, flabbergasted because I saw completely different intentions from those fencers. And because I had written the story of what they were trying to do, I had seen the result with through a different lens and had assumed, you know, one person had the point, one person had the afterglow, or maybe I saw it as a double or I don't know what it was, right? It doesn't matter. But the point is, is that like, I, I've worked with Keith a ton He's one of the best ring bosses I've ever seen. 
our interpretations of fencing are in no way different that I've we've really run up into, right? Other than he focuses Meyer and I focus early, but like I've never had a disagreement with him on fencing. But in that moment, we told completely different stories about that exchange mm-hmm. and what each person was trying to do. And that changed what we saw as the result. Mm. Mind blowing. Sure, sure. And that makes me think of, well, a couple of things. One, it, it really highlights probably, if not the, the singularly principal issue that we're dealing with in, in historical fencing or in any kind of fencing, any kind of armed combat uh, training, right? Um, if not the most important, um, certainly among the most important, which is that any kind of fencing is a simulation, right? And when I say simulation, um, what I mean is you could, there's a sense in which like all combat sports are a simulation, right? So like boxing is a simulation, right? It's a simulation of some hypothetical theoretical street fight, you know, or whatever. Like, I don't know what boxers tell themselves about what they're doing. I think most elite boxers probably tell themselves they're boxing, right? Um, But, you know, um, but when we talk about fencing, it's it's written into the DNA of fencing that what we're doing is we're simulating what circumstances would be if this if the the tools that we were using right the weapons were sharp were uh, meant to you know meant to cause harm to our, our opponent um, and I don't mean I don't mean that like we all always need to think about fencing as a sort of approximation of some kind of martial combat. All I mean by that is when we, when we create the rules of our exchanges, our, our, you know, we, we create the shared expectations of what we're doing, we always have to account for what it is we want or how it is that we want to simulate this sort of theoretical thing, right? Like, mm. are we just doing it to the touch? Are we doing it to like a, um, a what we would regard as a martial thrust or whatever? All of these are valid ways of approaching the question. But the bottom line is they're only ever approximations. They can only be approximations mm-hmm. of, of some idea about what how we want to approximate or how we want to simulate what armed combat would be, right? And, and so because of that, it gets even more muddy, right? Yeah. So for instance, if it was MMA... Uh, an exchange judges see fights differently all the time, right? They, you know, two judges f- judging the same scorecard will often um, award the round to the other fighter, right? Um, but when someone gets knocked out, then it's clear what happened, right? Like the, the person <laughs> is knocked out, the other person wins the fight, right? Right. Um, that's never true with fencing, right? No. It's never true with fencing because even when it's the clearest even when the exchange seems to be um, as obvious and, you know, it's still possible that someone missed some part of the action that would have resulted in a score and nullified everything that came after that. And so, yeah. you, you know, and, and because it's, it's not, you know, it's not something where hopefully it's not something where anyone can get hurt, right? The, the, the fencer might not have even felt it. Right, like they might not have even known the thing happened. That happens oh, all yeah. the time too. So uh, that's what I when you know when when you bring that point up, um, it definitely 
it definitely speaks to me like that's such a um, illustrative point. Right. And, and because we can't and, and shouldn't aspire to, in my opinion, right, um, knockouts or injuries being what ends the fight, I, I don't ever want to show up for that. Um, what that means then is the only way to judge it is based on story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so therefore, um, you know, this, this highlights so many experiences we have seen where, where, um, you know, what we'll often say, oh, the more experienced, the more experienced fencers are, are better judges and better, better ring bosses. Why? Right. Do they have better right. eyes? No. Sure. sure. Right? They don't have better eyes. But they're because we're all um, living in our brain's simulation of the world and through prediction, if I see somebody flip their sword to the flat before they begin to throw their blow, I'm already assuming they're going sphere, right? Mm -hmm. If that's the initial thing I see, like I've already decided they're going to sphere. So when I see something right. that looks like a sphere, sure. I, I'm not going to question that that's what came out. Right. Sure. Whereas um, someone who has maybe less uh, experience has less ability to predict what's about to happen. Therefore they get lost in the weeds of the motion. Sure. Sure. So, so their map isn't, um, isn't sophisticated enough to be able to perceive all of the sort of most granular levels of detail that they that, that you know that they're seeing. So um, I'm talking about like the the more inexperienced fencer, right? Yeah. Even though even though they're physically or they're the same bits of information are are flying at their face, right? Right. The, they um, are the, perceiving the same. Right. Right. Um, and so, and so it's, it's about story. Yeah. I like that a lot. So, and the other thing that that tells me is that when we say the experienced fencers are better judges, there's no real, um, there's no real measurable or at least quantitative way to assess that. Right. Like the only <laughs> way that we, we, the only, so it's not, it's not an assessment to say the, the experienced fencers are better judges. Um, and therefore we want them to judge it's 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 more like we like the story that those fencers can tell or can see unfold and so that's our criteria for yeah. your fencing right so our criteria yeah. is that your fencing approximates vision in their mind of what good fencing looks like Oh, oh no. Yeah. You just, you just opened some shit up right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, a really good, easy example would be, do you count slop? Mm, for sure. For sure. And you know, th and the, the answer to that would be like, well, do you see slop or to what level of detail do you see the, the contrast? Right. 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 And, and, you know, uh, uh, 
that goes into the question of, of context of what you're doing. Are, are you, yeah, are you create, trying to create good fencing, i.e. you hit the person with the sword at the tempo you want, in the tempo you want, with the edge you want, blah, 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 right? right? Being good fencing, right? Whatever that means. Right, right, right. Or did shit happen and you accidentally hit them? And that would have cut them in real life. So I guess we take it. Sure, right, and that's right? the other thing that we have to. That's the other thing that we we have to. Um, we're confronted with when we accept yeah. the fact, when we accept the fact that whenever we're fencing, we're trying to achieve this thing. Like we're making decisions about what it is that we're looking for, right? Yeah. Um, then, then we might decide that the the way that we want to think about what we're looking for looks like X versus Y, and in some cases it's a valid approach to say, no, if you get hit at all, then, you know, that's not good fencing. You shouldn't let it happen or whatever. Right. And then, you know, um, and, and so we base our criteria off that, or, you know, another criteria would be, no, I want what you're doing to clearly represent good fencing from my perspective. Right. Yeah. Um, which is sort of the, the approach that I've taken, you know, especially in the last four or five years, like I've been, um, very disinterested in in the alternative, right? The former, the the idea that um, any any fencing that results in a hit, clean hit, or otherwise, um, is is good fencing. And so, and so, and that's interesting because that actually gets me to a part a topic that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. That's related to it's both related to fencing, but it's also related to just like mindset when we're trying to perceive information, right? So. Um, so we talk about we talk about feeling and we're going to talk about feeling like all the time right um it, you know all in day, des every and, day. Yeah, all day every day right so like <laughs> so like what we aspire to is to is to fence in des we'll say yeah. right so um and for me that is the metric by which and the, the qualitative metric by which i assess fencing as either good or bad right was the person acting in des did they and so what does it mean to act in des and what does it mean to fence with fueling right so so there's two things there's two ways that we can treat the fueling question right so like one is sort of our ability to perceive our opponent's behavior um and respond you know, within their actions uh respond with the correct action, you know, with the correct counteraction um, in the correct space of time along the time continuum, right? Um, yeah. At the correct speed, et cetera, right? So like that would be, and there are all sorts of ways that we can think about that. Like, what does it mean to feel? What does it mean to process data that we're getting using our um, using our bodies, using our, our, our vision, um, using our sort of predictive uh, sense of, of, of what's happening, right? So there's that there's that aspect of fuelin, uh, but then there's a there's a separate aspect of fuelin that I want to unpack a little bit, right? Which is okay. this idea that, which is a, this idea that, um, what we need to work in des is to be present. Okay. So okay. All right. All right. So so like in the Zen so, sense, like Buddhist. Well, well, 
Um, kind, kind of, <laughs> right? Right. Well, okay. so yeah, no, there's definitely, we can definitely go down that road for sure. Right. So, right. Cause just, like some people would like start throwing in OODA loops right now, or some people would start throwing in Buddhism right now, or some people. So yeah. I would just like, where are you, where are you? Right. Well, so, so I'll tell you what brought this up. Uh, we're teaching class. I was teaching class on Wednesday and we were, yeah. we were doing, I think we began with some footwork stuff, right. Or it's just like a basic blade action along with some footwork. And, um, and my student was, my student was um, finding it difficult to maintain their balance throughout okay. the entire, throughout the entire action, right? And, and so, and it was interesting because I felt like I could see what was happening that was causing them to, to lose their balance, right? Yeah. And what it was, was they were operating like up here, mm. okay? So like, they were, they were thinking, consciously thinking of what their body, like, of what their body was doing, but they weren't mm-hmm. present in their body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They were they were like directing their body from above, yeah, right. And and so, you know what it what it required was to be able to to sort of operate in a in a. I mean, you you brought up Buddhism, right? So like to operate <laughs> in a. Do it to operate in like a, in, in, in a present way that's sort of like antithetical to the Western model of like spiritual and physical dualism. Right. So like in, in Buddhism, right. We don't, we don't contrast like the spiritual, the spiritual and physical re- realities. Right. Um, right. That's, it's a very Western, right. Uh, Greek sort of way of, of, of thinking about the world. And, that sort of felt like what was happening in that moment is that like they were con- they were consciously up here and their body was physically down here and they were like trying to like direct and they just weren't all here yeah. right yeah um and so and so when i say present you know that's kind of where i'm that's kind of where i'm going with that okay. sort of like does that make sense i think so yeah no and i think a lot of us um, because of the way uh, most of us, uh, you know, um, if you went through, if you went through American public school, I guess I can't speak to anything else, but that many of us were educated. We were educated to get out of our bodies. Our bodies are meat shells sitting at our desk doing nothing. Yeah. And you need to get out. You need to get out because that's where higher is. Right. 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 Exactly. And, and where does that come from? Right. That has its roots in Western philosophy going like all the way back or at least, way back. you know, <laughs> yeah. right. um, for Thanks, sure. Plato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. Um, he started it. Uh, so, so yeah. So and, seems and, a little and other... early to throw Plato on the, under the bus as, <laughs> as a podcast, but I mean, why not? <laughs> we'll come back and love him later. I mean, you, we, we you, I you might, might. <laughs> a I little bit. Won't. I have, I have my quibbles with, no, that's not true. I, I like Plato. Um, so, all right. So, so now, so we've got that part of fueling, right. Which right. for me is like this, this idea that we're trying to um, synergize like mind and spirit. If we're even going to make that, if we're going to even approach it from that dualistic perspective that right. we're, that we're trying to synergize body and spirit. Right. Is this the to... embodiment idea that we talked about? Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, so embodiment is a tricky, 
a, a tricky concept uh, yeah. because it means a lot of things for a lot of different people, right? And especially in historical fencing, you know, do you mean uh, and uh, anthropological embodiment, right? Uh, or do you or or do you just mean sort of embodiment of your of uh, of your sort of do you mean what I'm talking about? Right? Like I that's think really, I mean what you're talking about. <laughs> I think so too, and I hope so because that's uh, that's the way that I would use the term. Uh, you know, that's sort of what I would strive for, at least you know, in terms of fueling. Yeah. Right. Is is to try and be aware with with more than just you know my my mind looking down and directing my meat shell. Right. Um, so there's that, right? But then the other, the other thing about being present, and and the reason, the reason that we don't want to be up in the clouds, looking down at what we're what we're experiencing, is because that takes time, right? That takes processing power. That we have to translate and then retranslate, and all of that, you're losing your ability to to tether yourself to the to things as they're happening. Yeah. Right. And that and and so that gets me to like, or that's sort of where I'm at with fueling. Right? It's just this idea that we're able to we're able to perceive things as they're happening and right. and work within them. Right. And go ahead. Dude. It just no, everything you're saying is reminding me of taking horsemanship lessons. And like, here's what happens. Here's what I experience. Cause I'm still so new at that. It's easy for me to, to do what you're talking about. So sure. I can describe it like from a newbie experience, which is, uh, whatever I'm riding the horse, the horse is trotting or whatever. I asked the horse to trot. Right. And so it starts and I'm like, yeah, we're trotting. And then I'm like, where are my feet? Aren't my feet supposed to be in this position here? Because that's, what's good. Oh shit. And then the trot is all fucked up. Right? right? Because I, I went from, I am here in the rhythm to where are my pieces? And I start messing with my pieces and then everything's gone. And it, and it happens like that, but it is that sense of here I am. Oh, wait a minute. And then it's gone. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. You lose it because you need, you need that connection to to stay with it right so yeah. it's like you're just you you get distracted but i but i want to be clear about what the distraction is right because when we think of like getting distracted so let's say we you get distracted in a fencing bout if you if i tell a, a brand new fencer like hey don't get distracted right mm -hmm. then they'll you know it's possible that the way that they interpret that is don't focus on what's going on over there with those other people don't focus on what's going on outside or what I have coming up later today. Yeah. Right. And what I'm really saying is no, don't focus on the bout. Don't yeah. focus on the bout, right? Feel the bout, be present in the bout, right? Don't get sort of lost in the details of what's happening intellectually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Because that's where we get lost, and that's what people get distracted by, right? Especially new fencers, they're thinking about the bout. How could they not? They've got swords coming at them, and right, yeah. Uh, and you're and you're thinking about your horse, right? You, you, it's not like you. It's not like you're all of a sudden worried about like who's going to pick up the kids or whatever. Like you're you're right. there, you're present, right? right? Except that you're not. 
Except that you're not, right? Because you get lost in the storytelling. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. That's that's really interesting. Because you're trying to write the story of what's happening. And then yeah. fix shit about it you think is wrong if you're a little neurotic like me. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder, and so that raises the question then, um, should we we're trying to write the story of what's happening. Is there mm -hmm. a way that we can maintain that storytelling experience and still be present or, or should we strive no. to transcend that? No, I, th I think when we talk about flow state, I'm sure you've experienced flow state. You're a musician. You have to. Have. Right. Right. We've talked about it several times for sure. Yeah. Um, I think so. Um, and certainly I have experienced those moments uh, in a very, a lot of places, but, but, you know, fencing moments that become that flow state really stand out to me. Mm -hmm. And there's no storytelling. Yeah. There's none in those moments. Um, because if storytelling mm -hmm. is coming up here and watching and directing, for me, those moments of flow state are I just expand to take up the whole world. Mm. Right? My senses get gigantic and time goes slow. For sure, yeah. And yeah. things just happen. You know, um, there, I think it was the last WMAW I was at. I was fencing Jesse Kula in armor. Um, and he's awesome and amazing and uh, is a lot stronger than me. And <laughs> there, was a, there was a moment um, for the rules of this, for anybody that doesn't know, um, that particular um, event, there was a door for the fencers to come in and out of. And if you got your opponent out that door, it was a, it was a win. Right, but it's a very narrow area, and especially in armor, it's harder than one would think to drive somebody out this little this little door. So, anyways, um, this whole wrestling moment came. A lot of things happened um, for the setup, which aren't clear to me now. But what I remember is he was pushing into me, and I was like, "I can't resist this." And I began to turn and everything went real slow. And I was like, oh, I can 180 and whip him out that door. I can just, mm -hmm. and so, and it did, it worked exactly like that. And from his experience, he partway into that moment, perceived what I was trying to do, knew it and tried to redirect and couldn't because mm -hmm. I think because I was so deep in that, I was perceiving his attempts to redirect before mm -hmm. he ever got to them. Right. Right? Because otherwise it makes no sense. Like, again, um, Jesse could lift me with one bicep, right? Sure. <laughs> right. So the fact that that happened, the only way that happened was the magic of me existing and being present. And it wasn't until it was done that I fully understood it even worked. Mm -hmm. Though I knew it was going to. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a couple of aspects to um, to think about to reflect on that story about. Yeah. Like so, um, the ability to perceive all of those things, right? That mm -hmm. comes from experience, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not this, you know. By we we to to begin defense, um, it's being present is not something that you can just do right away, right? Like yeah. you. Um, you have to go through stages of really just, or to me, stages of drawing a map of, of expectations, right? So like, what, what does it look like for him to just have a sword, like to, for him to just throw a strike at me right? mm. from any direction, from any direction yeah. with any edge, you know, at any shoulder level, etc. Like all of those are are finer and finer levels of detail yeah. that that you become more and more equipped to to be able to parse out, right? But you can't begin there. So, um, and and the the this the higher the fidelity, right? The the stronger your your flow state. The slower time goes, right? Mm -hmm. The higher your fidelity of all of the various aspects of what you're experiencing uh the the more quickly you'll be able to see respond etc right right um and so and so that's that's one thing the other thing that we haven't really talked about but i the reason that i had brought it up um it, based on your initial story of story begets state right um right. and 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 sort of like how those two fencers um how we're able to perceive information how we're able to perceive things that are happening it's not just that we need to take ourselves out of the clouds and put ourselves in our bodies right mm. um but we need to we need to be able to relax right? yeah so relaxation to me is is probably the fundamental basis for all um for all fueling okay um is the ability to relax and the reason or what i mean by relax i because I, I don't mean like relax could just mean like you flop like you just you're, you're you you lose all muscular control and you just land on the floor right like <laughs> that could be relaxing I'm so obviously sleep I, here in vom tall and i'm just gonna <laughs> chill out <laughs> obviously obviously i don't mean that right so but what right. i mean is that you're not engaging your body in a way that's sort of that doesn't come that that isn't a natural outgrowth of this flow state of this shared mm -hmm. flow state with you and your partner mm -hmm. right you're not contracting muscles that you shouldn't contract right so part of that part of that like, is, is learning uh, go ahead yeah i was gonna say like a wrestler getting stuck in stiff arming right exactly Right. Like if you're pushing somebody and you're shaking, oh, I'm going to keep them. You can't feel a damn thing other than you right. pushing. That's all you can feel. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I talk about this, you know, uh, when two fences, I mean, we've all been stuck there. Right? And we're in a bind and we're contesting the bind. Right. right. Like there's two, the both. And you can feel it. Anyone who's ever held swords, uh, we'll say medieval weapons at least, right? Maybe not small swords or or, or anything post small sword, but like 
uh, a medieval weapon, anyone who's ever tr tried to bind has felt what it feels like when someone is contesting the bind. Right? Yeah. When two fencers are putting pressure into each other, right? Um, that is an expression of fencing without fuel, right? Mm -hmm. That right there, that moment is an expression of fencing without fuel. Now, that's not to say that one's a bad fencer if they do that or they experience that. They might just need to perceive that. It might take them a little while. They get to that perception and then they begin to respond, whatever the response right. is, right? Whether it be winding into their blade or coming off their blade or going under or whatever, right? Yeah. Whatever the correct way. And but so that comes from learning, right? Being able to respond correctly comes from developing a sensibility about what the correct responses are to those types of actions right yeah we've been given we've been given a map by historical fencing masters right that we are happy to follow um certainly not the only way that one could frame or conceive of or even respond like there may be other techniques or you know things that, that we don't you know integrate into our our personal fencing systems that work just fine in terms of achieving whatever contrived goals we decide are important right um right but but the bottom line is in order to achieve that level of perception yeah it it takes both you know mind and spirit it takes a, a development of a framework pr probably an intellectual development um although I, I suppose that's not exactly true because we we've seen successful fencers who maybe can't articulate what they're doing right um Absolutely. even successful on our terms right successful yeah. on our terms people who just naturally achieve uh a quality of what we would regard as good fencing without ever having any way to frame it or or um yeah any, for any sure. sort of mental map of how it works right but they but i would say that they by definition at least from my perspective if they're good fencers they are fencing with feeling right and they are working mm -hmm. in des Right. Um, so well, can, can we circle back for a half second to something you said? Because sure. I think, so you said um, that we will be drawing our map um, as we're learning. I think that's what you said. Now I lost it because I got, I got too uh, interested uh, in other things sorry. you were saying. Sorry. I <laughs> Well, I believe what you said is true, so I'm happy to okay. start there. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll just accept you said that, and then the playback, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I think, I think one thing that's fascinating is we perceive ourselves as learning by adding, mm. but what's happening is learning by deletion, mm -hmm. i.e., yeah. when you first hold a sword, you don't know what you could do with it. Therefore, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. Right? Which is why new people, when they're first fencing, do wild, crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Because they don't know what's happening. Um, and they can't necessarily feel because they don't know what's relevant to feel. Mm -hmm. And so what begins to happen is you get rid of neural connections you start tossing out anything that's crappy alignment. You're never mm -hmm. gonna let your wrist do this when you fence, right? Like all those parts go away. Mm -hmm. So our learning is is a process of elimination. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's great. I think that's great. Um, 
which is creepy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Um, so, okay. So we're talking about fuel and we're talking about relaxation. Yeah. So, and what is relaxation? Relaxation is sort of this idea that we're going to sort of um, withhold the use of our our internal processing power, right? Like our, my my CPU, right? Mm -hmm. For these very specific things, right? Right? Like I'm looking for these very specific and a small number, and you know, um, we want it to be as small as can be, while still being sort of comprehensive. Right and and robust. We want it to like we want the number of options to choose from to be exactly as you know. This is just elegance, right? This is in computer programming. It's like we don't want lots and lots of lines of code if one line of code will do the job, right? Sure. Um, and so and then we want to use all of our processing power to just kind of be in the moment and feel and perceive those things, right? Um, but we also still want our hard disk space, right? Our, our storage, our computer storage to have like our, our technical library, right? Mm -hmm. So that we can, so we can use our processing power to kind of um, pull from our technical library so that we can perform the appropriate technique or whatever. Right. So, right. but so in order to do that, you have to have a system. Right. Right. Whether it be articulated or not, you need Correct. some, you need something. Um, without, yeah, exactly. If you're just, if it's, if it's literally just random, right. Then it, then it would, it would appear that way, right? Like we would know. <laughs> it would be like me playing chess. <laughs> <laughs> or me, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so then the, then what, what that, what interests me about this conversation is that feeling being present, right. That exists beyond just being involved in like a physical conflict, right? Yeah. Um, it, you know, being present and using fueling and working in does like that's, that's just like life, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and so that's like conversations. Right. 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 Uh, yeah. Because I mean, we've all been in a conversation with somebody who's uh, a Buffalo. <laughs> Well, and, and so in my view, like a buffalo fences without fueling. And right. so sometimes that's the one who does all the talking, right? Yeah. But, but also a buffalo couldn't be, uh, a buffalo can just be perpetually weak, right? You can fence without fueling and just be weak all the time. You don't have to be strong all the time to not fence with fueling, right? right. And so, um, and so we've all been in conversations with those people too. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And 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 sometimes it's hard to know whether or not the person just is totally there but doesn't have anything to say, right? Or if they're there but not engaged, right? So, right. Um, uh, you know. But yeah. go ahead. I had to. I had to like leave presence for a brief moment. Mm. Because if you recall, I was worried that we were going to have to cut our conversation short. Um, but I just found out that my other obligations have gone away. So we have all the time we want. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, that distracted me momentarily and I lost the plot. We'll get it back on the, we'll get it back on the other end. All right. Um, 
so yeah well so i i guess i would like i would like to hear more thoughts from you with regards to this idea that we use fuel and use being present use sort of um tethering ourselves to um our relationships in this sort of shared flow state right and the yeah. fencing bout we're talking about with our training partner in life just with the people that we um commune with right and and the you know the difference between or rather how relaxation and sensitivity mm. and, and and not being up here right relates to all of that yeah oh man it's so it so deeply relates to that so relaxation is an interesting like that's that's an interesting perspective i don't disagree that you have to have that but I think for many people, a require maybe not all, but for many people, a, a requirement to achieve relaxation is an assuredness of safety. Mm. And that's tricky to get in a combat sport, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So how how does one develop that? And so that's the piece that to me really expands out to the rest of your lived experience, right? Because your sense of safety um, depends a little bit on the people you're around, but mostly about your story about the people you're around. For sure. Right? So, I mean, all of this becomes, dude, <laughs> there's a lot to dig in on um yeah so um if we're gonna focus back on not fencing and on on taking fuel and Menendez into our daily life right um i think seeking a, a state of relaxation is in part getting control uh well Okay, maybe that's a poor choice of words, but we'll stay with it. Getting control of your story, right? Because mm. boy, oh boy, that little part of your brain um, that's keeping you alive is working really hard to keep you alive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and by saying, um, let's project onto this person what you think is happening inside them so that you can predict what they're going to do so that you can stay alive. Mm. Yeah. And so our brain's going to be just, just going at that. Right. And sometimes we develop a sense of safety with the people in our lives to the extent that that part can chill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, until it's challenged, which it will be because we're all human and we fuck up. <laughs> well, right. Well, but, or rather, you know, maybe to, kind of stick with this metaphor like or you know we're looking for stability not even metaphor it's just like we're you know a way of framing it we're looking for stability we're looking for the ability to reliably predict yeah how our behavior what the consequences of our behavior mm -hmm. right um and so when i you know the more the easier it is for us to reliably predict the consequences of our our behavior, 
I imagine the safer we will feel, right? And when we feel blindsided, yeah, that's when we lose our sense of safety. Right. See, and that comes back to prediction. Mm -hmm. That's all prediction. Right. right. That's, uh, I don't know. When I say to you, James, I really, I really hate Ford trucks, right? My assumption is you don't give a shit about Ford trucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's perfectly safe to express that opinion to you, James, right? Sure, um, sure. Maybe it would upset my dad a lot. Mm. Right? right. And and so making those assumptions and predictions is going to dictate what I verbally offer to you mm -hmm. in right. the zoofession of our conversation. <laughs> right. And I think as we, yeah. And so what happens when we lose that, right? What happens when we, when we were confident that our behavior, um, and we were confident that our behavior was going to result in particular uh, outcomes, right? Um, and then we and then we get and then we get taken aback when we find that we screwed up. Yeah. And you know, sometimes we put that on ourselves, and other times we put that on the circumstances or other people. Um, and I'm I'm actually interested. I would be interested to go down that road at some point like i'm not sure i'm ready now because i just this is like the first time i'm thinking about that okay right? but okay. but i but but i would say that in general regardless of who we attribute or assign sort of responsibility to or what we assign responsibility to um it definitely makes us feel more guarded sure and what is more guarded right more guarded is is stiff arming Right, more guarded is engaging our muscles uh, in ways that maybe aren't appropriate for a flow state. Right. 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 Um, it also means that we aren't offering as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to to put it in terms of fencing, sometimes um, fencers aren't comfortable and don't offer much. And it's therefore kind of boring to fence them. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's that lack of play, right? Yeah. Yes. So let's talk about that. So we were, um, so last week you hinted at this sort of polyvagal deep dive that you were oh. taking. Um, and I, and I'd like to hear more about what your thoughts on that framework are. Oh yeah, the framework's really cool, really cool. Um, I'll have to just put a link in the description uh, with regards to this little diagram I'm gonna reference. Um, Cause I honestly don't remember who created it and that's trash. But anyways, I'll put the link. Um, but there's, there's kind of this thought about like that there are these states of being, um, it, meaning, you know, the, the way our brains are, are acting in the moment. Right. And there's, you can kind of have this sense of um, safety. Right. Um, which is also where like uh, our primary socialization is going to happen. Right. You don't socialize with a bear. <laughs> right. Um, so, so there's kind of that. And, and 
Um, that's a place where a lot of comfort is. Um, this is the relaxation you're referencing probably, right? Um, and then of course we have fight or flight, which most everybody's super familiar with. And this is a very activated phase mm -hmm. um, where you're going to be doing something because of a perceived threat. Um, and then there's kind of shutdown, which is you're not going to do anything because of a perceived mm. threat, right? Um, and that can be because it all just literally becomes too much and we play dead mm -hmm. um, is the easiest way to think about it, right? Um, and I'm totally not an expert on this. So I'm just, this is just what I've taken in so far, right? <laughs> so anybody that is an expert and is trained in this, sorry. Um, but then the, the, there are these kind of mixed state ideas, right? And so play would be mixing, and I think this is the most important one for today, is play is mixing safety with the activation of fight flight, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why fencing can be so freaking thrilling, mm. right? Because it is safe and it is socialization and it is exploration, but there's just enough danger to like mm -hmm. get you going, right? Sure, sure. And maybe um, play is giving us a safe way to experience being blindsided. Yeah. Yeah. Which in, t okay. So you were talking about responsibility and you wanted to think about that and that's fine. Um, but, and I think we should think about it before we discuss, but I think, I think the important part is if you are blindsided because something you didn't expect happen, the consequences have to not be catastrophic for you to stay in safety. Mm -hmm. and therefore be in a place of learning. Mm -hmm. If the consequences are catastrophic, you're probably going to shut down mm -hmm. or drop to full, like, full right. Really and you, fight and time. Right, right, right. And that, that this reminds me of trauma and how we, um, you know, just to sort of draw out the extremes, right? So, yeah. and, and, and lots of trauma, things are so we maybe we survived it right maybe we enter into fight or flight maybe just we survived it because the circumstances were catastrophic but not deadly mm. right um but the the bottom line is often we block it from our minds oh yeah right? so there's so there's no learning there at all right mm -hmm. so you know so we know at least at, at the at the very extreme of what you're talking about what you're saying is true right so mm -hmm. like, you know, or at least we don't consciously learn. Maybe, maybe, maybe we learn to just be super guarded all the time and, and, and learn that it's safer not to fence with feeling. Right. Right. We, we learn that this is a matter of life or death. Mm. Mm -hmm. I must not get there or else. Right. Yeah. And so the ways you choose not to get there are innumerable. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it might be sure. you choose to like, oh, uh, you know, uh, let's go back to trucks because it's so ridiculous. It can't possibly <laughs> reflect on anyone's uh, real problematic situations. But 
we get a bunch of hate comments in the <laughs> what's wrong with sports god podcast so stupid <laughs> um yeah right but like like if I were to, if I were to offhandedly make what to me was a lighthearted, playful joke about trucks, about Fords, and you were like, for real, like our friendship might be off now. Mm -hmm. I am so offended. Mm -hmm. And not only am I so offended, but I now am going to tell you, you're a bad person because you brought that up in the first place. Mm -hmm. And you should carry shame and regret for what you did until you make it up to me. Right. Mm -hmm. I would like our relationship for me would immediately mm -hmm. irrevocably change. For sure. For sure. And I, mean, I might never be able to let you back in. Well, I'll tell you right now, that is a thousand percent true in my life. Like I've experienced that right yeah recently like i so like we've all probably experienced it or whatever we could all like look back at our life and point to instances of where that may or may not be true but i can point at very specific instances <laughs> in my life that come fairly recently where yeah. people just overwhelmed me with a reaction that um that i i wasn't expecting for whatever reason yeah and it made it so that it, it made it so that I, uh, I will forever be guarded. And in fact, I won't, I, it's, it's going to be, I, I can't see, I can't envision a, a world in which I won't be just so protected, uh, so mm -hmm. guarded that I could um, enter into that safe place, uh, with, you know, this person again or whatever. Right. Like, right. Um, with that experience again, mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, and so it's interesting that the term play, I love that. I love the term play because uh, I, I've done a lot of martial arts in practice. Yeah. Right. Um, and fencing, for whatever reason, is, is probably the only one that, uh, that it's enculturated to conceive of so much of what we do as play, right? Yeah. So like, so, you know, for, for whatever reason, the historical fencing community look at our training as play. Right? Yeah. Like we call it play. We say free play. Um, you know, we don't, some people use sparring a lot, right? But even if we take it deadly seriously. Yeah. Yeah. We call it play. Yeah, we do. And we're, we're conscious. And I don't know if we're conscious of it. You know, certainly not all of us are familiar with polyvagal theory but um <laughs> but I, I i think that it's apt to describe you know, you know imagine if we imagine if there was real danger in our fencing exchanges sometimes right? there is then sometimes there is um but you know when, when there isn't it gives us an opportunity to learn it, it, yes. it gives us an opportunity to sort of become more present allow right. ourselves to be blindsided in a way that we can kind of reflect on. Yeah. Um, and right. You know. Because, because, oh, so this is, oh, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh my God. No, but please. You, I want more. Uh, you just hit me so hard. Cause like there are times like I can picture moments. Um, what, what immediately came to mind was fencing Jake Norwood 
And like we were fencing with Messers and we happened to be in historical clothes and no masks. So, you know, it was clearly play. It had to be play. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because no masks, you can't get real, real. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so we're, we're fencing and we're screwing around and we're having a great time. And whenever one of us would hit the other one with something surprising, it would be peals of laughter out of whoever got hit. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. That was surprising and brilliant in the mm -hmm. way that a witty joke is surprising and brilliant and tickles you and amuses you and fills you with joy. And you're like, damn, that was, that was amazing. All right, let's try mm. Let's see if one of us can surprise the other one again. Right. 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 Um, like playing peekaboo peek with a baby. Oh shit, there yeah. you are again. Yeah. It's amazing. So fun, right? But there are times where you get blindsided in the negative sense. Hmm. When you're fencing somebody and they take your face off mm -hmm. and you never saw it coming and it concussed you and, right. you know, or whatever, there was a catastrophic outcome. And that's where we get to the heart of, do I now put that fencer that did that to me in the unsafe category or do I put fencing in the unsafe category? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's, yeah, because blindsided can be hilarious fun and it can right. be terrible, terrible. Right. <laughs> right. right. Well, and it's part particularly if we build a context in which we can feel the safety of, you know, whatever, whatever it is that we're experiencing to, to be sure that even as things happen that are outside of my control, that are unexpected, that I'm, you know, that I'm using to sort of guide my learning, uh, yeah. that I'm not going to be hurt by them. Right. Right. Um, so something that's interesting to me is or what I started to do after we, we talked about that a little bit. Right. Um, fleshed out this polyvagal stuff and, and this idea of play. Yeah. Is I started to think about when I use the term play, like when I because, so, as I said, in all of my martial practice, I've never um, I've never used the term play so much to describe um, what I'm doing. Yeah. Until historical fencing. But um what when i would have used the play the term play otherwise would have been you know to describe what my kids are doing yeah right so and and what are they doing they're they're going out to play right what does that mean really right so if you would have asked me several years ago or even if you would have asked me just recently i'm i might have said something like they're going out to have fun, not care, right? Mm. Um, I don't know how I would describe it, but that's that's very clearly not what they're doing, right? Like what play is, is they're exploring beyond their boundaries. Yeah, safely. Right? So, safely, right, yeah. exactly. They're exploring beyond their boundaries. They're experiencing things that they don't have a map for. Right. Right, why? So that they can 
begin to draw out their map. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's just like drawing a picture or whatever, right? Yeah. They're learning, you know, fine motor skills and not just fine motor skills, but they're like learning how to apply their imagination to a visual media or whatever. Um, you know, or it could be they're in the woods with their friends playing hide and seek or just whatever. And most often, you know, so sometimes people get hurt, but most often it's not the kind of catastrophic hurt that would, um, you know, but also like it, it, it helps us find those, those hard limits, right? Like, okay, yeah. no, I don't want to play this game because I know I'm going to get hurt. Right. Or social limits of somebody will say, I don't want to play with you because you're playing too hard. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. Or whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Well, I mean, okay. Hip. I don't, I don't know what kind of a parent you were when you had littles, mm. right? When they were little, little. Mm -hmm. um, but I was quite passionate about every piece of it because I'm me and, you know, whatever. And so I got weirdly passionate about playground design. <laughs> That's awesome. When I had an 18-month-old running around, right? And so... You know, we can all look at like those vintage pictures of like a freaking concrete and there's like a like terrible, uh, oh you know, metal structure and there's kids hanging like a foot, you know, or a story up in the air. And you're like, oh, my God, how did they all not die? Right. right? right. Meanwhile, now we have very safe playgrounds that are empty. So mm. what happened is we took away the ability to have risk. Right? Right. Right. We build these safe playgrounds for seven-year-olds mm. who are more than physically big enough and mentally big enough to determine their own safety. They will self-limit. They will only climb as high as they feel comfortable. Right? But now we made it safe and it goes up real high and they go through the bars mm. and face plant on the ground. Right? Mm because there's this perception of safety that isn't real. And so then they take right. insane risks and do nutso stuff, or they never even show up to it because mm. it isn't fun. Right. 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 So it's like, you know, um, if there were only dangerous ways to get high, you wouldn't have to stand over your 18 month old and micromanage everything they do. But instead we made safe ways for them to get high. So they will go beyond their reasonable capabilities. Yeah, sure. Are you sure. with me? I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, you know, and so that brings, brings me back to, to fencing. Right. Yes. So, <laughs> which is our responsibility as fencers, our responsibility as teachers, um, what environments are we trying to create, mm. right? We want to create environments where people can safely explore their boundaries. Yep. That, uh, um, 
it just dawned on me we haven't even you know so we're already talking about like safety gear and HEMA. right no we're not okay <laughs> uh you could well, take we, i mean you could take be. this down that road right like you sure. could take this down that road we could be talking uh, about the perception know. of safety created yeah. by putting something on your body right yeah, yeah. and we, we all know where that conversation leads so let's just yeah. assume it done right? Right. we'll point you so, to a number of threads on the internet if you've never <laughs> thought about this <laughs> right right so um but yeah so like how do we create contexts uh how do we create expectations shared expectations amongst fencers mm. that that gives them a safe way to explore beyond their boundaries beyond yeah. our boundaries yeah. right um and should we always be concerned about exploring beyond our boundaries should we ever be uh, allow ourselves or allow you know um our, ourselves to put others into the deep end of the pool mm. right um oh boy hmm. i mean it takes fuel in to know yeah sure yeah that's right there's an art there is an yeah. art to 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 knowing you know teaching and learning is its own art yeah. right to knowing what i need right do i i i need to be in the deep end of the pool um in a sense is it a deep end of the pool at all right is in a sense if i know that's what i need then isn't that just sort of on the periphery of my boundaries right or exactly I don't know. exactly right and like certainly i've had people come to train with me that i have um encouraged to go to other clubs that i thought would give them what they wanted to explore mm. that I could say, I'm not capable of giving you what you want to explore due to the limits of my ability to teach. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to take that um, personally for myself or feel bad about mm. myself. Um, right. And it doesn't like, Oh my God, it's so easy to like start throwing pejoratives about those hmm. situations, right? Either about the fencer mm -hmm. or about yourself. Um, but I don't think it should be, right? No. Like, listen, you put me on a tilt-a-whirl, I'm gonna puke. Mm -hmm. Like there is no boundary to explore there for me. It is not <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna puke all over everybody, right? So like why, you know, but dude, like if you love the tilt-a-whirl, I'm not gonna like, tell you you're a bad person for it. <laughs> right, right, right. Get on that and so, ride. And so, yeah, and so again, it's about it's about story begets state, right? So, mm -hmm. and it's about the story we, it's not just about the story that we construct about what is happening or what has happened, right? But it's about um, the narrative we are on, right? Like our own destination, understanding, what it is that we're looking for from anything, whether it be um, fencing or otherwise, right? So, um, could you say more? Because I just got very still. Like you said something really important there, and I'd like you to say more about that. Okay, so, so I guess where I'm going with this is like it could. All right, so in, just in fencing. Right. We're, we're all doing this. We have various ways of thinking about what we're doing. Um, yeah. I, you know, eventually we're going to have to, we're going to have to get into the nitty gritty about what martial arts are. Right. 
Sure. Um, you know, uh, but I think we all tell ourselves at least some kind of story about what martial arts are and why we are choosing to do martial arts. Like, why did we choose, why did we choose sword combat? You know, it's, right? it's an, it's an absurd thing, right? Um, is it because we have a sort of a, a deep connection to like our childhood aesthetic or like, or is it, you know, because we want to learn how to survive on the streets or, or whatever. Right. Like, um, and, and that's gonna, that's gonna inform our practice, right? That that's like our sense of what it is that we're trying to achieve with this is going to not just, not just, um, inform our perspective, but it should inform the way in which we experience the art, right? Yeah. Um, the way we design our own path. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, so one of the, one of the things that we're kind of contending with is this idea of community. Sure. Right? So we, we exist in this community, this community of historical fencers. And what does it mean to be a part of it? Right. Um, mm. Is historical fencing playing with swords? Is it competing in tournaments? Is it looking at sources? Is it a, uh, having a narrative in which you are a swordsman or a swordswoman? Right. Um, is it, you know, and so give, you know, given that, given your own narrative about what it is that you're doing with this is um, the community, right? The community may be closed off to you, right? Yeah. Um, and so you may have to sort of, I mean, and so is it a symbiotic relationship that we're in with the community? Do we, you know, it certainly is, right? But at what point do we have to just accept that maybe we share dissimilar perspectives or outlooks? And um, Well, I, I think that that's a, a, a macro version of, you know, um, me sending somebody to train somewhere else, mm -hmm. right? So in order to fence, you have to have community because mm -hmm. otherwise you're just doing solo drills in your backyard. Right. Well, and yeah, right. Um, Which is cool. <laughs> like no shade. Right. But, but in order to find fuelin, you have to have somebody to find it with. So mm -hmm. by default, there becomes a community, but there is all the levels. There is the community that you create with who you're fencing with right in that moment. There mm -hmm. is the community that you create within the club that you typically train in, and then it can become regional and worldwide, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so, so there are decision points where you can say, uh, my engagement stops at this circle and everything outside mm -hmm. that circle is not of interest to me. Mm -hmm. um, and we deal with a pressure though. And, and so that, that would be, I think, something worth, worth talking about. It's like the pressure that we feel about whether or not what we're doing is okay, you know, or um, meets the criteria for being a part of this movement 
such as it is, right? Um, right, because I mean, so so certainly at this point in my life, I'm not, I, I don't feel any pressure by that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of reasons why I don't feel any pressure about that. And part of it might just be because I've already gone through that process, right? Um, part of it, you know, might be because I've achieved some sense of, uh, 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 how do I put it? Like I've gotten the acceptance of the community writ large, right? That's and a part so of now, it. So it, it is a part of it. And so, so maybe like me saying, well, you just kind of, kind of find yourself, right? Maybe that's harder than it sounds, right? <laughs> um, so, the, so there's something else that you said that I want to, I want to go back to, which is the idea that fueling is a social, um, it's a social experience, right? Yeah. Well, um, or you're, I mean, you're dealing with external. So fueling is always going to be like external and internal, right? So like we're, we're trying to process external data, mm -hmm. right? But I think it, I think you take it a step beyond that in a, in a sort of more fundamental way. You take it a step beyond that when you say like, the external data that we're getting is someone else's, uh, someone else's sort of personhood, right? Like uh, so, someone else, it's it's another human whom we are trying to get in, you know, inside of. We're trying yeah. to get in the pocket of, or trying to get, you know, in the experience of. Yeah. Because it's not, you know. It's it's par partly it's their it's their spirit that guides their behavior. Sure. Right? And so, in order for us to be able to learn to predict what what we can expect from another mm -hmm. person, we have to like in a very very deep and visceral way um like like meld with them right we have to Hopefully. like right 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 commune or, i mean or not we could just you know <laughs> we could just flail right <laughs> um right but that i mean and and so and again so like you know winning about right but for for me it's about achieving this sort of this sort of uh flow state the shared flow state yeah right so like what fencing is for me as in, in, in fencing as in life, right? Is like achieving the sort of shared flow state that comes from my humanity and that of my training partner, mm. right? This is social process, yeah. right? Um, where I, I don't just feel, I'm, I'm not just feeling physically, I'm not just feeling someone else's meat shell. Right. Right. <laughs> Right, but I'm feeling all of their humanity, mm. you know. Um, and actually, this gets this this reminds me of something we, we were talking about, you know, art and science, and how like we're using science to inform our our art. Yeah. But we don't. But science doesn't govern our art. Right? right. And and why is that? And the reason that science doesn't govern our art is because humans are more complicated than science, right? The decision-making process for a human is not bound by science. And so our art in 
and entering into an exchange with another person can't be dependent on them making what we call like, you know, rational decisions. Sometimes the, the correct art, the correct application of art is something that's not particularly scientific. Absolutely. And, and even more so, or more to me, more pointedly, we aren't robots. We aren't a series of if then statements. Mm -hmm. And a lot like that metaphor for thinking has become so dominant and powerful in American culture, at least, that it blinds us to what is actually freaking happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we're demanding that this if-then statement works out the way it was written um, with, and so therefore we are predicting it will, so therefore we are looking to see it happen and therefore we are not, we're stiff arming and mm -hmm. not actually feeling present. anything outside our own wishful thinking. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, because I mean, we all think so differently. And the one thing sure. we definitely know is that we don't know what the other person's thinking. No, we're no, predicting we have... like mad, <laughs> but we have sure. no clue. <laughs> right. So there's a couple of things. Um, I think, uh, so, um, I was watching, I don't know what happened that I ended up getting interested in basketball of all things. Yeah. But uh I think we've shared like, some Michael Jordan videos before. We did. Well, right. So yeah, we, we so however it happened, like I, I'm all of a sudden like interested in basketball. Um and I was and I've literally watched more basketball in the last we'll say two months than I have in my entire life ever. Right. Even growing up in New York City, right, when I was playing basketball all the time. I was totally detached from the experience, right? I wasn't even, I didn't even understand what I was doing in those moments right. when I was playing basketball. But like uh, now all of a sudden I'm like interested in it or whatever. So I'm watching, I'm watching these highlights two days ago and I, and I thought, man, I wish that I could like rip this video and figure out how we can like share it on, on, you know, this, the stream or whatever, like, and we'll figure that out at some oh, point. Oh, send it, it to me. This, I can totally do it. it. Was, it was this perfect other, you know, we'll, we'll link it this time because I think it's worth it. Right. Yeah. It's a basketball player. So it's a fast break. Right. And, yeah. and, and there's one defender and there's two, um, like the, the, the ball handler. And then there's someone down in the post. Right. Okay. So it's a fast break happening. The defender is on the ball handler the whole way. Right. Yeah. The ball hand handler basically, you know, goes, I don't know. If, yeah. He basically takes the, the, sort of the right side of the lane mm -hmm. and it looks like he's going for a layup and he dishes it to the post player yeah and the defender it was it was magic right because yeah. the defender was tethered to the ball right he was well, not just the ball but he was tethered to the experience of the ball handler right yeah. he was and so it was just it was he was tracking with the long edge it was gorgeous he follows the dish and the and blocks the shot from the guy in the post yeah you know and you could just see the whole time he's just like you know it's not a layup if it was a layup if 
it's not clear to me that if it was a layup that he would have been able to block it, but it just seemed like he was so in Des. He was he was he was feeling that situation perfectly. He was so present in what was going on that as the guy as the ball handler made the pass, he just followed it as though it was the long edge tracking the opponent's blade. And you know, and he was right there for the block. And he stopped this yeah. fast break. It was just he single-handedly stopped this fast break. And it was just because he was so in the pocket of what was going on. Yeah. Right. Um yeah. why did I why how did I get there? I <laughs> just I don't know. <laughs> um, no. <Nope>. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've talked long enough. We've completely lost it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but, so for whatever reason, like, yeah. So I, you know, I, I apparently all I can think to say is that you can play, you can work in Des playing basketball. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> there's an, uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm cashed. I can't You're think cashed. of anything it's out. else. It's out. Well, okay. So, I mean, we we are wrapping up. But what what occurs to me about that is, of course, you can be Indes playing basketball. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, we've already thrown out the proposition. You can be Indes a conversation. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Right. right? Right? Or at least be present and, fe- and feeling. Right. in the conversation right and feeling is in this right as as weird as that is um which is a whole thing um but i think i think the thought i would want to leave on and then maybe we come back to maybe next week i don't know mm-hmm. is from that basketball example you said it wasn't clear to you if the shot had been real if the layup had been real that this person would have gotten there, but it never was real. So he didn't need to be there. Sure, sure. Had it been real, if he was as 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 in the groove as, as you perceive him to be, right. he would have been there. Sure, right. Right? And so that's that's the stuff that gets really crazy in fencing when you start playing with feints. Because in, in effect, that was a feint, right? Right. Um, he didn't. He didn't eat it. He didn't. He didn't believe it. Right. Right. And that's what my judo instructor always said: If you're going to feint, you better make him believe it. Yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. So exactly. I have to somehow get you to tell a story that's not right, that isn't real, and never was real. Mm-hmm. So how do I get you to predict something I have no intention of creating? Oh, that's, oh, that's going to be so good. Right. <laughs> right. Well, so it does, it does bring us back to like, you know, what is, what is this art that we're doing? It's like, yeah. we're, we're not just playing with a robot, right? That's what the art is, right? The art is like, we're trying to learn to exercise some degree of control, we'll say, for lack of a better word, um, over a training partner in this case. Yeah. Who has their own story. Yeah. Right? Um, Yeah. And maybe you do have to achieve that symbiosis or that shared state that you seek in order to effectively write them the wrong story. Mm. I don't know. But yeah. that's for next time, man. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
Thank you so okay. much for the chats today. Yeah, it was great. And, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing, you know, the rest of you next week. Yeah. And uh, maybe if you're enjoying this, throw us who should get on and, and chat with us about some of this stuff. Because it, it, it doesn't always have to be just James and I. Other people yeah. could join us. I don't know. All right. And also, hey, like and subscribe, yo. We're trying to, like, get famous. <laughs> All right. I, oh. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Bye, y'all.